Welcome to the Software Intelligence Podcast. And in this episode, I talk with Kevin McNoll from Rackroom Shoes. Pivoting from physical stores to pure digital during COVID times makes for an interesting story, especially when you're competing with the retail giants. I'm really excited today to have a customer that we've been working with, with a number, for a number of years, um, and that's Rackroom Shoes. Rackroom Shoes, we had present at our Perform event in January. And if you think back to January, you think five months ago, man, has the world changed? Obviously, COVID impacted everyone around the world. And if you think about a retailer like Rackroom Shoes, who's one of the leading providers of uh, online shoes, but also physical stores, more than 450 physical stores, there had to be a significant pivot in their business. And I'm thankful to be joined today by Kevin McNoll, who is the Director of Project, Digital Projects and Practices at Rackroom Shoes. Kevin, welcome to, uh, welcome to the session. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here again. How significant was this COVID-19 for your practice? If I can ask you sort of um, an obvious question off the bat. Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, uh, the digital business side of our business really thrived from it. Frankly, I mean, we, as you can, as you mentioned, we are traditionally a brick and mortar retailer with 450 plus stores for our rack room brand and over 70 uh, locations for our off Broadway brand. And largely those uh, all 100% of those stores had to shut down to uh, the public for a period of time. Um, and during that time, we saw uh, a shift in our business and a shift in the shape of our business to the digital uh, uh, revenue channels that uh, we provide to the customers. So, um, yeah, that that was really the biggest change for us is um, and thankfully, um, you know, our stores, our business, we fulfill 100 percent from our stores. We don't have a dis uh, centralized distribution center. So um, we were lucky enough that uh, we could keep some of our stores, a, a good portion of our stores open to our employees, unfortunately not to the public, but to our employees to continue to fill uh, customer orders out of that store's the location and inventory. There's two really interesting parts to that actually. There's one in terms of like, the first part is like, how quickly did you have to pivot? Like, I mean, this all hit us really, really fast. And it did to some extent feel a little bit like panic stations. Like take us inside the, the maybe the management team or, or your thinking personally of like, you know, what was the reaction? How quickly did you have to, to, to transform? Yeah, I think, you know, all of us were just having to be reactive exactly as the word. There was really not a way to plan for this. Um, and so we were reacting locally in some cases as some stores were closing early uh, until uh, in certain certain areas, maybe some didn't close at all until the very last minute. Um, and then we had to react uh, regionally as well. So uh, during reopening, because uh, you know different states had different regulations in place, and so we were having to try to come up with well, what are the uh, what's what's the minimum requirements that we can put across all of the stores? So it just makes it easier for us to manage too. So it has it has literally been a reactive business. Retail is in sort of general, right? And, and so this was. Uh, I guess maybe years and years of retail uh, have have uh, uh, hardened us to be able to be this this reactive. Um, but Which that was really it. Point. Like how, how how digitally were you ready? Well, that's the good news. Is I mean, we took uh, a very we're we're new to this game. We were several years, ten to fifteen years behind our competitive set 
when we started offering um, uh, e-commerce channels uh, to our uh, customers. But we took a very deliberate and intentional approach to the user experience from the very get-go. Um, and, and in fact, we sort of had three principles that uh, um, we uh, keyed around for the success of our user-centered design approach. And number one was early and continual focus on users and their behaviors. Um, and, and then number two is getting empirical measurements of those said behaviors and, and acts. So having reports that we could actually measure against. And then number three was iterative, iterative design. Um, and so we, we did that early on, five, six years ago when we first began. Um, we began to put in um, platforms that helped us monitor and measure user behavior and, and page load times and, uh, and customer response uh, or uh, service response times. Um, and we feel like really all of that work paid off during this time because when we saw the flux of, uh, of traffic coming to us from uh, digital channels and, and from our enhanced digital marketing efforts, uh, our conversion doubled. Our, our conversion has more actually more than doubled uh, this year over the previous year. And we feel that's uh, uh, because of the due diligence that we've put in enhancing the customer experience using the tools that we have. So the, do you think a double conversion is sort of what you're talking about during this period? Is that a difference in the way in which people are behaving in that maybe previously they would be sort of searching, yeah, okay, they've got shoes down at the local store, I'm going to go down and try them on or whatever, or is this, and now they can't. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to have to fulfill my order through the digital channels. Like, do you have a rationale as to like why maybe you're seeing a double conversion rate? Yeah, we feel it's actually a mix of both. We got uh, more heavily promotional during this time period. And we also always know that conversion goes up when we're uh, more promotional. Mm -hmm. um, and that customer who still really needed their shoes and is still really loyal to Rack Room and couldn't get to those stores were more qualified when they came to the store. And instead of doing their pre-shopping in store and then finishing it or pre-shopping online and then finishing in store, they would shop and complete the purchase online. So we feel that the, yeah, that there was a, a shift in that behavior as well from that. That's case. a fantastic result. And actually I was just thinking as, as you were talking about, you know, continuous optimization is absolutely critical because you're continually having to push new features, new functions, new capabilities. Clearly you probably had to do that around COVID naturally because you're not going to the, your local store to pick it up. So your applications would have changed as a result, but it's a chicken and egg. Did it, did the continuous optimization come from and, the, and your desire to iterate on sort of releases? Did that come from like, this is what we want. Therefore we will select platforms that will enable that. Or do you start using platforms and identify, Hey, we can do continuous optimization as part of our practice here. Therefore it will become part of our culture. Which one is it? Yeah, we started uh, real small. Our, our uh, real user monitoring early on in, in the early days was our call center. <laughs> we had a feedback tool on the website. Uh, we had, users calling into the uh, call center to say, you know, what they didn't like about the website or what, what, what might not have worked for the website. And we were using that feedback immediately to iterate design and push out uh, new builds and new releases. 
um, and, and addressing those issues. And when we saw those values, even for something as simple as phone calls, we said, okay, well, let's see what other platforms we could put in place to get even more information and garner more information without the customer actually having to trigger it, right? We wanted to be able to monitor it ourselves. So um, that's where uh, we started to evaluate tools that could do just that for us and lessen the load on us to still be reactive because in those cases, we were still being reactive to the customers calling in. And Dynatrace is clearly one of these tools that you're utilizing, right. hence the reason why you're talking to us. Uh-huh. How has this evolved from the um, <laughs> the call center to out to like, you know, we, we sort of talk about now, like, you know, succeeding in the cloud as a team sport. You're going to need more than just your operations team focused on, you know, on the performance of your applications, your reliability, and you've already talked about continuous optimization. So development teams, support teams, product teams, like how wide is this, uh, is Dynatrace working within Rackroom and what's the value that it provides to you? Yeah, that's grown too. As a, as I mentioned early, um, you know, uh, our monitoring was, was a call center. And then we would add uh, uh, feedback tools uh, or surveys to the website and start to again, hear the voice of the customer there. Uh, and, and because of that, we, we grew fast and, and we were adding on new features and, and uh, we created a, a buy online pickup in store program. Um, and uh, uh, our solution just became more complex. And, and so there were more key let's call them key micro moments in the user experience that um, we wanted to have earlier and easier insights into. And so um, when we started evaluating tools, Dynatrace was actually the one that seemed to be the easiest to deploy, the quickest to start getting insights um, and uh, uh, give us the ability to, instead of being reactive, start setting metrics up like, Hey, I want to watch this key event. I want to know, um, if there is a degradation in my add to cart time, right? If it's taken longer than X percent or X seconds uh, 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 to add something to the cart, I want to know that before the customers start having issues. So our, our mindset began to shift when we began to implement tools that would give us insights into those key moments of the customer journey. How does that, having the real-time information, how has that changed the way that the team works or, or has it is probably the so it, it, it that the the how it sort of worked is we began to the front end team the the ones who are really responsible for what the customer sees and experiences uh, they began to get some wins out of it and and then when other departments began to see those wins as well we would start instrumenting some of our back end systems with it as well so typically we just had the e-commerce websites and some of the services that the e-commerce sites were dependent on uh, monitored by Dynatrace agents. Um, now we have some of our backend databases. We've got some Oracle Insights uh, uh, tools set up on Oracle where we have some dependencies on some backend uh, 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 internal systems uh, uh, that serve, say, order history and order tracking information to us. So now we've got people in other areas in our IT group who might mention, hey, does, is there something in Dynatrace that's telling me maybe what the slowest SQL statement is against that database? Um, and so it's sort of grown and, and uh, organically into other areas of the company who are also now interested in the metrics and want to start instrumenting other pieces of their uh, of, the, of the whole ecosystem. That includes some of our in-store stuff. Again, we're largely um, in-store. Even this year, we're still going to do 90% of our business uh, in store, uh, even with the, the, the large growth in e-com. 
Um, typically we run say four or 5% of the total business. So even if we grow to 10% of the business in our digital channels, we're still largely in store and our systems there, um, you know, don't have the same type of monitoring. So uh, we, we have already doubled down on our host units and added more uh, uh, digital experience management units uh, so that we can do just that. Yeah. And when I was looking at your story, it really was a, a case of like everything from your infrastructure all the way through to the end user experience. But, but even getting off the technology for a second, um, just thinking through your actual business model, you know, you, you want to buy a pair of shoes. It's a challenge because you, you kind of need to try. Look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I have wide feet. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say they're grossly enlarged, um, but they're wider than the average human with a much higher, much higher arch. And uh, that means I typically need to try the shoes on. So, you know, that's a challenge. That's right. Yeah, that is. And there are tools out there that, and some of our competitors have them too, where they have uh, uh, a fit security uh, uh, features. There's um, a couple of platforms out there that come to mind that, um, allow you to put in your favorite pair of shoes that fits mm -hmm. you perfect, right? You know, you wear Nike size 11 and a half and, and, and you know, this specific style fits you perfect. And then what it can do is uh, go out and look at what other products uh, fit that same last or that same kind of 3d model of the inside of that shoe and give you some confidence that even without trying it on physically um, that it's going to fit you really nicely when you actually get it. Yeah, which is exactly how I behave with any sort of clothing, to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, just just for a second, help me understand. You, you're how are you feeling? You're like you're like personally. I often like to get the reaction of like, you know, we have people, we have customers that that sit at the core of digital transformation, and um, and I think the scenario with COVID meant I've always thought you know, people that look after the digital services or the application engineers or the infrastructure, basically anyone that's holding these digital platforms together are the most important people in any company at the moment. And I think when COVID hit, it just, the reality really struck that it's like, you are now, you're it. You're like, your systems are, are, are now all that is that you can possibly do really to, to make sure that consumers continue continue and and that i would assume in some cases has visibility all the way to the ceo and um how are you feeling as someone at the core of that digital transformation do you feel more pressure do you feel confident like what's your reaction at the moment yeah i mean i feel that uh, especially at rack room um our digital transformation is gaining momentum and i think again largely that's because of the successes we've been able to show in the past five consecutive years in this area um, I think uh, the shift lately uh, because of our, our global situation um, has added some confidence. And, and actually, we sort of had, uh, we had some pretty big issues, outages in this past holiday season. So last uh, holiday 2019, before the COVID uh, uh, lockdown, we had significant outages during our holiday season. And so this year, what we said is we were going to back off doing some of the customer uh, facing features and we would spend more of our efforts on stability and mm -hmm. that's paid off as well. I think um, now again, we've, we've had um, a slight increase in traffic, but, but the behavior has changed. And as I mentioned, doubled conversions during this time period um, and, and an increase in revenue of, of about the same. Um, and, and that has uh, 
that's that's really shown that uh, in, for the company that we've we've done the due diligence work to make sure that we won't have these issues during our heavy holiday season this year again, um, and moves us forward to building what we hope to be. Uh, 10% of our total business through digital channels. So I think uh, the company is getting more confidence there. They're willing to invest more in that area, um, including looking at our entire retail ecosystem. That includes our in-store point of sale, the systems that we use to process payments, the the engines that run promotions. Today we do promotions on the our point of sale registers through a different business rule engine than we do promotions on the web. We try to come to the same conclusion and the same answer, but they're different rules engines. So we're looking at the entire ecosystem and it's starting with the CEO and the CIO and they've bought in. They know that this is where we need to go. They know that we need to bring digital into the store. They know that this needs to be a seamless experience. Um, and so I'm feeling that we're positioned very well our history and our, our level of, of success over the last five years has bought us a lot of favor. Um, and during this time, I think the company, uh, all the way up to our parent company in Germany, is, is sold that digital uh, needs to be a priority across our business. It sounds a lot to me in talking to you previously and also now that um, that, that culture plays a, an important part of this. Um, and, and the more I talk to other customers, it seems increasingly so. If you're going to have a culture of continuous optimization and continuous transformation, you know, you just shared a story then of where you learned from things that had occurred in the past. Therefore, you know, as humans, we learn from our behaviors. And then, you know, I think also as part of this, and then you can improve, but also part of this COVID thing is it's a moment of reflection. And, and so it, it's, it's a moment where you're like, if we're going to change, how are we going to change? And is there a spike in the way we change or is it more, are you feeling almost sort of like the clarity of like, we have a great culture in place. We have a, a performance optimization culture. We can ride this out. Yeah, I think for us, it's the latter. I think we've, we've gotten a clarity, even with our management team who, you know, are realizing this team, our, our collective team at our corporate head headquarters continues to be productive, even though very few are going into the office on a regular basis. There's a few going in, but again, we are not really uh, 100% open. Our corporate office is not 100% open yet, um, although some of our stores are. So um, I think that has um, added some clarity. Um, just the uh, adoption of remote teams uh, has, has, uh, uh, been more readily accepted here at Rack Room uh, during this time as well. And so I think, yeah, for us, we feel like our, our lenses are clear. We, we know our direction. Um, we still have several things uh, on our roadmap that we feel uh, enhance the user experience. And we still have some big projects to start bringing digital more in store to not only enhance the customer's experience, but the associate's experience as well, because we feel that that ultimately uh, affects the customer experience. So uh, we've, we've actually digital, created an... In go, well, I was going to say from a digital, please finish your thought, but also as you think about it from the next section, because you talked about being remote. One of the things I was fascinated about is like every company, every company is remote now. Like is, is it, is, is the transformation, is the collaboration, is the culture, if you've got these major projects coming, is it going to be harder to deliver those being remote or is people adopted remote working and, and we're totally cool? Yeah, I think um, for the most part, Rack Room has adopted it and, and we've even heard it across the organization in areas that might have been 
um, cautious at first, you know, and, and unsure if we would, if we would still be able to be productive. But now we're hearing across the organization that that's the case. That we'll have some challenges for sure. Um, I have some responsibility over our photography group. So you can imagine it's hard to do photography remote. You almost have mm -hmm. to be in the studio and, and products has to be available too. So uh, yes, there are some areas of our business that will pose challenges because uh, uh, of remote work. But, uh, but for the most part, especially in the digital world, uh, we continue to make improvements even during this uh, shutdown. I've, I actually just completed a move cross country and moved from Charlotte to back to St. Louis. Um, and can and our team continues to uh, to be productive uh, there as well embracing these types of technologies is big our CEO is doing that as well since he can't see everybody face to face he's embraced these uh, these new digital and virtual technologies uh, uh, so I think again it's the momentum at least at rack room uh, is in a really good spot and is in a forward motion uh, and I believe we have the buy-in from our leadership uh, to, to really turn the corner here in the next two to three years. Kevin, are you a rare breed? You, you, you've gone from talking to me about SQL statements to conversions <laughs> to overseeing photography. Um, that They don't normally sit in the same sentence. You know, I, I love my job. I'm ADD by nature, I guess. Um, my, my title, I think, helps... Uh, spread me thinner like that digital projects i think touches everything um and uh it, it, i've done some video editing in my past uh I've, I've i have done just about everything that you can imagine that's touched some sort of digital device and i i love it i love it it's not a job it's uh i get to go to play every day ios versus android I'm both. I actually have both devices. I have uh, iOS 11 sitting right here for testing. And I'm, personally, I'm on Android, though. I use my, my Android probably the most. Tell me, um, so as a digital person, then you focused out onto revenue as well. I mean, you've talked about conversions, but, but naturally, like, are you looking at revenue? You're looking at channels, you know? Absolutely. We, we drill down to individual channels, mediums, uh, campaigns. I mean, we, we, we try to do the gamut. Uh, our team, Omnichannel, I report to the senior director of Omnichannel. Um, that includes our, our email and our customer relationships. We're tightly uh, uh, integrated with marketing. In fact, uh, physically in the building, when we're all together, we sit directly next to marketing. Uh, my role bridges that gap between the IT side and the business side, and, and I do have uh, years of experience in both. In fact, I've been in foot, I've been selling shoes specifically shoes on the internet in four different decades now. So that, wow. that <laughs> started, started building my first websites in the late nineties and now four different decades we've been selling shoes. So there's two, I've got to, I got to keep going with this because there's two other angles here that I'm fascinated about. One, you sit next <laughs> to marketing. So are you across the marketing campaigns before they get executed? That, Cause that's not always the case. It's, it's often a case of you hear people like we just emailed 14 million people and the page crashed. Um, but it, but you no, were very tightly integrated. Yeah, very tightly integrated. We know uh, when the, my team is actually sort of shared responsibility. Um, the we the marketing team comes up with the stories and the initial designs. And then um, my team works really closely with their designers. My designers work really closely with their designers and we do the final execution. Um, and then again, the sales manager that reports into our group. 
um, is tightly integrated with the content team. So they even know what, what products are going to be uh, 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 talked about on the homepage and what dates. So they have a whole set of rules that they go into and they boost certain products so that if it's being marketed, it's easier to find uh, on the page when you're searching for it. Um, so it's, it's a pretty uh, well operated and, and again, in a short amount of time, because we just started all of this, not knowing what to do five years ago, <laughs> six years ago. Talk to me about, so I'm, I'm fascinated by Omnichannel. I'm a marketer myself. I have a million and one different tools that I use to understand user behavior and whatnot. How hard is it to do? How, how hard do you feel it is to do anyway? Well, I mean, it, it's certainly hard to do alone. <laughs> it takes the whole organization and it takes buy-in from the top. And, and I feel like we have gotten that. Um, and again, I think it's, uh, you know, my role, I, 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 I walk that line between the business side and the IT side. Um, and I, I enjoy that part. So for me, it's not, it's not hard. It's sometimes... Uh, it takes a while, right? When you're in an organization that was largely brick and mortar and you start to move in this direction, um, you know, we might have heard snickering in the halls when we talked about customer experience six years ago. Now, customer experience is, is uh, pretty much on the tip of everybody's tongue because we realize that it really is about the total experience. It's not just about one channel. It's about the total experience. And we win when we build features that actually prove that like our buy online pickup in store feature uh, we launched it two years ago and it drives about 15 percent of our online uh, revenue right now so yeah customer experience is everything and um what about the role that dynatrace plays in understanding that customer experience do you, you know what advice would you give to someone an e-commerce brand that isn't using dynatrace as part of their analysis yeah, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, we evaluated a lot of different application monitoring tools um, before we landed on Dynatrace. And, and what I would say is, you know, it was just the easiest one for us to deploy. The one agent starts to, to identify the services and the protocols that are on those servers immediately. And we start getting insights. Um, and, and, and I would say that, yeah, you're, you're going to spend so much less time um, and, and headaches trying to chase down issues when you've got a tool like Donatrace in place. And we're using, you know, the whole gamut of the digital experience monitoring tools. We're using uh, the RUM uh, monitoring. We're using synthetic monitors to monitor third-party services. Frankly, we've got some third-party services that our site's dependent on, like a chat feature. If that chat feature can't be reached and we don't know about it, um, then our customers are going to hit a dead end. So we have a synthetic monitor that hits that service and just lets us know that it's up and running. And if it's not up and running and it's a sustained uh, issue, then we turn the feature off on the site. So we mitigated having the bad issue. So that's what I would say. It, it was just the easiest to deploy, the quickest uh, for us to start getting insights um, and, and alleviated so much of our uh, reactive efforts. Is the AI a myth or a uh, or a, a true value? 
It's true. Davis um, has saved us in many times. A lot of times it's been our earliest alert for an issue that might have even been on a, a larger scale. We are hosted on the Google Cloud platform and about, I'm guessing, two years ago, maybe uh, we had we had um, just recently launched on the new platform and we'd been maybe up and running about nine months and Google, the platform itself, had a, a pretty large outage in, an, in their eastern region, uh, which is where our origin servers were hosted. Dynatrace was the first alert on that, even before the Google status uh, uh, website said that they had an issue. So Dynatrace was our first alert that we had an outage. I love it. You're providing the answers before Google, which is unheard That's of right. in, our, yeah, in our exactly. generation. Yeah, it was about four minutes. I think I, I think I still have the screenshot where Dynatrace was four minutes earlier than the Google website. <laughs> Thankfully, Davis itself isn't necessarily hosted there then. In the same yes, way. exactly. Yeah. Very distributed. <laughs> Kevin, it's a fascinating story. I think, uh, you know, we've touched on so many amazing things as part of this. And, and I find it interesting in terms of your role in, you know, just the, the, the broad scope. You know, you've mentioned a couple of things. If I sort of summarize and, and we can kind of finish up here because there's a lot of great stuff. But, but you know, you, you touched on the importance of culture. Continuous optimization is absolutely critical. You did mention the fact that Rack Room was originally behind, but you've really caught up. So, you know, you were ready for what happened. We, we covered off double conversion rates, which is absolutely remarkable. Um, I guess you're feeling, despite the pressure, you're feeling confident, which is awesome, considering that a bulk of the revenue is distributed on your shoulders, but also across multiple teams, which was really important as part of this process. And uh, of course, naturally, you know, with this, the value that, that, that Dynatrace and Davis plays to be able to provide that real time. What are you most excited about? Our future. I mean, really just the, the conversations that we've had internally over the past couple of months excite me about where we're headed. Um, we're not typically a leader. Uh, we're certainly not a technology company and we're, we're not usually the leader in our, even in, within our own space. Um, we're usually a fast follower, but I feel like we've gotten some buy-in around some concepts that would make us a leader in those areas. And that excites me. Isn't everyone a technology company today? <laughs> well, everybody is a technology sourcing company. I will say that you have to source some technologies, but we don't, you know, we're not, we don't build technologies and, and we don't create technologies. So we have to source the technologies that we feel give us the advantage. And, and that's part of the fun too. That's part of the fun too, is, is picking the right match of platforms and providers uh, to, to build your competitive advantage. Well, it sounds very much to me like Rack Room have got a, a fantastic asset in yourself and your ability to be able to see and, and bring your knowledge of the four decades of uh, shoe selling uh, to bear. And, and um, I just can only expect that, you know, if you can ride out something like COVID, then coming out of this, you know, I, I think you guys are going to be in a fantastic situation moving forward. So I wish you all the best. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And if there Good are any discount the codes, let me know. I'm probably pretty keen to get some, some wide shoes. For sure. Yes, for sure. We need to sell some of those uh, Dynatrace Converse on, uh, on our site. That would be great. <laughs> well, there you go. There's an opportunity for all the people out there. We can, we can host some of the Dynatrace All-Stars. We're actually having trouble with fulfillment. I might have to follow up with you on uh, how we can get some stock into the stores. I, I, uh, I got my pair. I got lucky. I got my pair. So. Well, you might be due for another pair. Actually, if I look over my shoulder, I can see a pair of. Uh, I can see them. Yeah, I there's see a pair the that never. Right there. <laughs> these are, there are two pairs that never made it produ to production because uh, one, I'll grab a pair. One and and for those that can't see the video, I'm holding up a pair of uh, 
Converse oh, wow. uh, hand-painted All-Stars. Those um, are slick. And uh, someone sent me them, which was from Barcelona. And actually, if I grab the other one, and then of course all my books will fall down. If I grab the other one, there's a picture of Aussie One Kenobi. And um, I don't know <laughs> if you were brilliant. at that perform a couple of years ago, and I don't know why I did it, but I dressed up as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I didn't really think things through, and the person turned Obi-Wan Kenobi into my shoes. So, Oh, those are brilliant. That's a custom yeah. pair. And then the other pair is a pair that were like pre-production that never made it into production because um, we got to the final printing of the shoes and the brand that we were working with told us we weren't allowed to use the Dynatrace logo which uh, is interesting considering we hold the patent. Yeah, that's very See? interesting. Yeah. There you go. Maybe it's too hard to print and they didn't want to destroy it and muck it up. So, uh, so Kevin, I appreciate it. I think we'll need to get you a new pair seeing you're a, a shoe lover and um, we'll have to send you out a, a new pair of Dynatrace Converse All-Stars for doing this with us today. And um, uh, wear we're, them proudly for sure. <laughs> we really appreciate it. It's great having you as a customer and um, we hope to hear more from you in the next, uh, the next six months. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Great.